Hey everybody, welcome back to Podcakes. Today's guest has an absolutely inspirational and motivational story. See, just a few short years ago, he was diagnosed with a very rare form of muscular dystrophy. And in that same short amount of time, he has found a very unique way to raise awareness and raise an astronomical amount of money for the Muscular Dystrophy Association. In fact, the MDA has came to him and made him the ambassador for the state of Illinois for the MDA. It's a very remarkable story. Friends, if you like what we are doing here on Podcakes and you're watching or maybe listening to this on YouTube, could you do me a favor? Could you make sure you go down, like, subscribe, share with all your friends, and leave us a comment? Even if it's only one word, please leave us a comment. If you are on Spotify listening to this right now, subscribe to the channel and leave us a comment too. Even again, if it's just the one word. What that does is that makes this channel grow and we can start reaching a larger and more diverse audience base to get these kind of stories to the people who need to hear it. I really hope that today's story will maybe reach somebody with a recent diagnosis who may be feeling maybe a little lost, scared, maybe even a little hopeless with the new diagnosis, and they can find inspiration within this story. Maybe this will reach somebody who outside of this is just feeling discombobulated in life and things aren't going their way. Maybe this story will help inspire and motivate them. Or maybe you're somebody that just likes good inspirational and motivational stories. This podcast today checks every single one of those boxes. I'm happy to introduce part one with my good friend, Billy Zurichat. Hey, Billy, how you doing, man? I'm good, brother. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing really good. Uh, we just had a little bit of a, a technical tofu, so we uh, we hit the reset button and we're starting over right now. So luckily, it. we weren't too deep. No, I know. <laughs> you caught that. We've been an hour yeah. and a half into this. We're like, oh, God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That would have been totally like, oh, my gosh. But, you know, hey, you live and you learn, right? So anyways, everybody, uh, Billy and I go back. I think we go back about what four years now, and yeah. um, we, as some of you know and some of you do not know, uh, my professional life. I'm actually a truck driver, and uh, I own my own business. And so one of the things that we do is we have to look up agents and stuff. And we, the agents are the ones with the loads, and we're the ones with the trucks. So we have this really good commingle relationship uh, that we have. And so Billy had a load one day. I didn't know him. I just called him up and said, oh, hey, man, I'm looking at load A, B, or C, or whatever it was from going here to there. What do you think? You know, and, and, and that's really how we started. Yeah, yeah. We started back in, like, 2020. Um, you called, and we, we did a couple uh, couple runs together. Um, I dispatched you, and we had a good working relationship, kind of just got to know each other a little bit. You actually, fun fact, I don't know if you know this, but um, – you opened up a huge door for me with uh, one of my larger um, customers, brokerage companies, whatever you want to call it, clients that I work with um, that was a little hesitant to work with our company. 
um, but they were in kind of a pinch and you were looking for, you were looking some, for some freight and a run to keep you busy. Worked out really well. You were on that load, which had a lot of eyes on it and everything went swimmingly. They loved it. They loved you. They liked our connection that, uh, you know, my, I, myself had with their dispatching team. And we've been working together since then. And it's kind of funny. It's because of you, because you were the one who, you know, took on that responsibility to take that pressure and do that load. And you helped forge that relationship. So I don't know if you know that, but you are the reason I work with one of my larger companies still. You know, I, I think that's really rad. And yeah. I thinking about that right now, I do think I kind of remember you saying something like, Hey, don't screw this up, <laughs> you know, something <laughs> in that ballpark, you know, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I you know how I operate, man. Every, mm-hmm. every load's the same. I, I, the way that I like to operate is like, uh, your reputation is in my trailer. Mm-hmm. So I want to take your reputation with me and I want to yeah. do everything I can to the best of my ability to, you know, service that. So I wish I wish others had that same that same perspective and and professionalism. Know, like it's not it's not like that. I wish. Yeah, there's some uh, shady people right now in this industry for sure. Uh, both so, ends of it. But both anyways, ends. yep. Yeah, man. So why don't we go back a little bit? Because usually what we like to do, especially the first time on on podcasts here. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, if you're somebody that's been listening to this podcast for a while, um, this is the first podcast under a new brand. Uh, it's just now Podcakes. So I have a YouTube channel and Instagram. It is Motorcycles and Pancakes. And originally when I started this podcast, it was kind of, you know, the secondary child to motorcycles and pancakes. So I did the play on words and I called it motorcycles and podcakes. And that was kind of the way that I, you know, you, you could tell the difference between what I was doing on YouTube or whatever. But moving on, I realized very quickly that the motorcycle community is amazing as it is. I didn't want to pigeonhole myself to just that. Right. I wanted to be able to expand. I wanted to be able to talk to different people. Uh, I wanted to, you know, just expand to anything that I wanted to get into. So within the show, I guess you call it a show. I'm, I'm going to do three different kind of shows within it. Right. So when you look on it, you can see what you want. So we're going to do episodes called In the Helmet or Inside the Helmet, rather. And that's all motorcycle related stuff. Right. We have Billy right here, and this is not a motorcycle-related topic, and this is going to be outside the helmet. That's going to be the, this kind of broadcast with those people. And then another motorcycle view is called um, <laughs> Point of View, or uh, Current View, rather. And uh, that is going to be another kind of a, a big step for me in the podcast world, really. Um, I got some really important people who are willing to come on and it's just going to be more of a uh, non-biased, non-political, non-geopolitical thing, but we're going to kind of just talk about world events, kind of what's going on. So that's going to be called the current view. So anyways, this is outside the helmet with Billy and uh, dude, like I'm just happy you're here, man. You know, I I think (laughs) you have, dude, I, you've got, not only are we like friends and we have that bond and that relationship as friends, but your story and the way that you're dealing with things. I mean, that's an inspiration to just 
everybody as a whole, period. And I really want to get into a lot of that. But also, let's just start from day zero, right? Little Billy, okay. where where he's growing up. You know, I know sports were, were important to you, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, like, just take us back to Little Billy. Where did you grow up? You know, sure. when did you find sports? All that kind of stuff. For sure. So I'm uh, born and raised in Chicago. Uh, grew up on the south side of Chicago. Um, I'm a child of the, you know, mid 80s or, you know, and, uh, a, you know, teenager of the 90s. So growing up in Chicago, of course, I'm a Bulls fan. Basketball is my favorite sport. You know, I have the greatest team ever, the greatest athlete ever, Michael Jordan, to look up to as a child. Um, yeah, I didn't okay. understand. Yeah, he was decent. I actually didn't think you, like, teams lost. I thought you just win championships and you just win games. Like, in 1996, the Bulls won 72 games. They lost literally 10 games all year. I remember each of the 10 games they lost, like, vividly because I'm like, oh, wait, we lost? What? So basketball was huge yeah. for me growing up. I, I loved it. So I played it as a, you know, as a, as a child, grade school and everything. And um, eventually uh, we moved out to the southwest suburbs, Orland Park, um, just about 25 miles southwest of the city. Um, and so I grew up there, went to high school there and uh, yeah, played, played basketball in high school, recreationally with friends, all over the all over the place, played football for literally five minutes. I got hit once. I went out to play uh, football and I went out to practice once. So like, we're like, they're like, yeah, what position I'll play? I'm like, I'll play quarterback or tight end. I literally got hit one time and I'm like, no, 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 no. We're, we're not doing We're done this. with that. Yeah, we are we're done. done. I'll just, I'm going to play non-contact basketball. I'm good. I'll just shoot threes and get, everybody, gotta, get out of everybody's way. Um, I got to tell you, man, real quick, I had, I was uh, playing football in in high school too. And I remember uh, we were out at doubles and a couple of the uh, quote unquote, super popular kids wanted to play. And I remember this one kid, I cannot remember his name. I just know he was blonde with a mullet because that was the day (laughs) he just freaking like literally one pass just got drilled and walked to like got up and just walked to the locker room. Never saw him again. It was like the same thing. He was just like that was that was basically me. I swear to you, I made it through the rest of the practice, but I let I got it was like the picture day too. It was very funny. So I got I at least got a picture. So there's me posing like on one knee holding a football. I'm wearing it's holy. You could tell I play basketball. I'm not wearing cleats. I'm wearing a pair of Jordan Air Jordan Elevens that were my brother's shoes. These all white patent leather Jordans, and I'm just like in this picture, like yeah. I am not doing this after this photo. I am done. Um, so, but yeah, basketball was a huge, huge part of my life growing up. Um, I mean, it was so much, I was so obsessed with like everything around basketball culture. Sneakers are huge. Night of like big time Nike right. Jordan fan and everything. I even in high school, I worked at finish line and champs selling sneakers and stuff. And like, I had dreams to work for Nike and being involved in sports in some way. Um, just, I, I would feel like a lot of, you know, a lot of teenage boys had the same kind of aspirations, you know? Um, yeah, but yeah, as, uh, as time went on, like, I just want, I knew I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Um, but I knew I wanted to be involved in sports in some way. Well, you, uh, you and I actually, I mean, I, I'm older than you, right? So I'm 48. I don't remember what you are, but you're I'm 40. I just turned 40. Yeah. See, and I remember, you know, you're talking about the Bulls and losing and stuff. I remember the culture, even around the Portland area, 
I mean, mm-hmm. we had a pretty good team with the Blazers, but it was never, never right there, you know. And I, I, I remember, uh, man, I remember when the Bulls were playing and it was going to be broadcast. I mean, it was like, it was a big deal, you know, and watch Jordan, you know, Pippen and all that. All what is a Bill Cartwright, <laughs> you know, all those guys all playing right. underneath. And then, yeah, especially when it was, you know, especially when it was like the Celtics, you know, oh, yeah. or the Pistons. You know, mm-hmm. one of the big rivalries. I just remember, man, those were the games to watch. It was so rad. You had the NBA, the classic NBA on NBC theme, the John Tesh. Yeah, that's Ron Ball Rock right there. That's you can get my version online if you want. But it was like it was so I mean, it was the best, like the intros. Even on NBC with like Marv Albert and everything, we're so mm-hmm. cinematic, and it's like, oh, this is like if you watch them now, they're on YouTube and they're like incredible. Yeah. Like, man, that's, that's totally that was those. that was the best. That was a, such a cool time. No, dude, um, absolutely. It was. It wasn't a game. It was an event. You know. Oh yeah. And yeah. I remember. Uh, I remember when we. Um, this must have been like in the late '80s, even. You know, I remember when we got the color TV in the house. Oh, it was yeah. just like oh. so we we had that like 19 inch black and white and at some point it was a 19 inch color it's just it was amazing yeah it's changed everything i know yeah it's crazy to think about all the things now even just like just technology it's funny i'm at a you know we're both we're both at that weird age where like we grew up when there wasn't a lot and then we saw things change right. like, you know the, the younger generation i hate i feel weird saying that but like you know people in this gen z or whatever like they yeah. don't know what a vcr is they don't know what it was like to have to like if you miss a game you're not watching it later you have to wait till the 10 o'clock news comes on to get a highlight you know it's just like exactly crazy it's crazy to think about that stuff yeah and you would do kind of kind of weird things like uh you you knew when certain things were on and you had to adjust your schedule and your life around like the basketball game or the football game or yeah. like for me, it was like Saturday night headbangers ball, right? So you gotta yeah. gotta be ready for all that stuff, man. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, dude. So moving on, I mean, so you played some hoops in mm-hmm. in, in high school, not football, wasn't that? But once you uh, you graduated out of the high school, I mean, mm-hmm. so what? Where'd you go after that? What were your hopes, dreams, aspirations coming out of high school? Where was your oh, your focus mm-hmm. of life? You know, it's like I wanted, I I thought I was going straight to the NBA. Um, but then, you know, I realized I can't Didn't we all? jump. Yeah. So I thought it was, I thought it was going to happen, but you know, it wasn't, it wasn't going to happen. So I had to make a real, you know, priority of what I wanted to do. And, right. you know, most, most parents want to see their kids become a doctor, or a, you know, a lawyer, something like that traditional, you know, elite jobs. I'm like, that's not what I wanted to do. Um, I wanted to do something in sports and I, you know, I floated the idea about maybe being an agent um, and being a sports agent. Cause I thought that would have been really, really cool. Um, but I didn't want to go to, I started looking into it and like, I don't want to go to law school. And then thought of maybe being an athletic trainer, but I don't, I don't want to go to medical school. And so my option, uh, which I thought was probably best for me, cause I like to be creative. I've always been a creative person. And I figured that uh, maybe, you know, journalism was a way to go be a broadcaster or a reporter. And so I took a, uh, a journalism class my senior year of high school, and 
I kind of fell in love and um, with writing and, and, and creative writing. And um, from there, I went to Lewis University, which is in the southwest suburbs of Chicago in uh, Romeoville. And I uh, studied journalism and broadcast journalism. So first thing I did was go out and uh, became a beat writer um, for a beat reporter for the, uh, the, the sports section of the newspaper. And so I started on women's women's soccer was my first my first sport to cover, and so I I didn't really know much about, I mean, so I knew things about soccer, but not like not super deep into it, and especially not the women the women's version of it. And it was the best though, getting into that, taking myself out of comfort zone, and learning how to cover a team and write cover a game, go to a game, and not only give a recap but tell a story with it. And I learned the basics of that. And as time went on, I eventually went on to become this beat writer for the basketball team. And that was what I wanted, the men's basketball team. That's what I wanted to do. And eventually I became the sports editor and I was in charge of the whole section. And, and I started doing my thing oh. from there. In that same time period, as I became a sports director of the, or sports editor of the newspaper, I also went to, uh, went on to become the sports uh, director of the radio station. Um, we have a college radio station there and I wanted to host a sports talk show, which I did eventually called the practice squad. It was, uh, hosted by myself and, uh, a buddy of mine in college named, uh, Pete Toronto. And we hosted the practice squad. It was named the practice squad, uh, because we weren't good enough to be on the pro team on the, on the main roster. So we were on the practice squad. So that's why uh, we I were love in, it. Uh, I love it. In the practice squad. And, uh, yeah, I've always been kind of an ambitious person. So I, I wanted to get, you know, into locker room access to like covering the pro teams. So right. I kind of got slick and I just use our uh, radio stations call letters, which are WLRA, which that's like basically your identifier for what your, um, where your station is from. Like you're, you're, uh, you're basically like your, I don't want to say your nickname, but the, the station's nickname basically is what a call letter is. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, the FCC exactly. assigned call letters for that station. Yeah. Exactly. So I just used that as a way to get in with the Bears and Bulls and didn't say I was a college station. So if they heard, if they knew I was in college, they would probably not, you know, they just deny it. You know, you're a college kid like, and they wouldn't take you seriously. And uh, I remember getting that approval email that I got it. I freaked out uh, that I had a media pass for both the Bulls and Bears. And I would go to Soldier Field every Sunday and I would have access to watching the game in the press box, going to the locker room, interview players, do whatever I wanted to do. But it was really cool. I didn't horse around or anything. I was when I would go there, I was all business. I was serious. You know, I wore I wore a shirt and tie and just sat there in the press press box. And I didn't didn't talk to anybody. Like didn't bother. I just stood in the background and kind of like watched the other reporters and kind of admired what they did. Um, and I learned how to be professional. Um, first thing is like being a, a, a 20 year old, a 19 year old at the time. It's like, you put me in the, in the bears press box. And I remember a game where one of the most iconic bears moments ever, uh, Charles peanut Tillman, he was a former, um, cornerback on our team. Great player. Great. One of the better players in bears history. He was known for the peanut punch. His nickname was peanut. And he used to punch the ball out of, um, receivers or running backs, um, like arms, they would know he's coming. He'd literally punch the ball out, and he led, he led the league in fumbles and was like top, uh, top and fumbles caused. But he had a play where um, Randy Moss, all-time uh, great receiver, played for the Patriots and Vikings. 
when he was with the Vikings, uh, end of the game, it's like 30 seconds left. They're, they're, they're down, I think, five or something. They throw a pass to the end zone. And Randy Moss used to do what people would call mossing somebody. He would jump over them. He was just so much taller. He'd just reach over and pull the ball away. Well, right. he and Peanut Tillman went up to catch the uh, ball in the end zone, and Peanut ripped it away from him. And so he mossed him, and it was like an iconic play. I'm in the press box. I can't cheer. I'm a diehard Bears fan. I want to be like, oh, my God, that was insane. I can't. I have to just shut up. And I learned at that moment, this is how you carry yourself. And, uh, yeah, it was really, really cool. I ended up, like, getting connections there and started having some of the players on, um, you know, on my college radio show. I had them record, like, little liners saying, hey, this is Peanut Tillman. You're listening to Billy Z on the practice squad, you know? And so it gave my college radio show this really like professional um, vibe to it. You know, it was really, really cool and a cool experience. And as time went on in college, I knew that this is what I want to do. Um, I won awards for my writing in college, um, you know, won awards for my radio show. And I was very confident in my abilities and I wanted to work for the iconic four letters, ESPN. That was my, my goal. And so I started reaching out to ESPN radio here in Chicago um, and wanted to check and see if I can, you know, if they had internships or anything. And I, I nagged them for like six months. I would call like every week, following up, following up. And I finally got in touch with somebody and they said, come on in for an interview. Um, I, I crushed the interview and they said, yeah, if you're, we'd love to have you. And I remember having a conversation on my first day. This is, and you can kind of tell, like, you've gotten to know me for a while. You know my, like, kind of irrational confidence I have sometimes. Um, and just, like, yeah. belief, in my, belief in my professional abilities. I, I remember going up to, um, he was a producer, and he's also, like, uh, one of the, um, the uh, maintenance, not maintenance, uh, excuse me, engineers. And, um, like, sound engineers for the station. And I remember walking okay. into Ernie's office. And I just, this is my first, uh, just going to be my first day. And I told him who I am. He's like, oh, you're new, uh, new intern? I'm like, yeah, just starting up. And I'm like, hey, Ernie, um, can I ask you a question? He's like, sure, what's up? Like, do you guys hire interns? He goes, you know, we never, you know, I, I'm sure if, if you were good enough, you know, there might be an opportunity for you. We haven't really had anybody you know, not we've had down the road, maybe you know, down the road, maybe things come up, but we haven't really ever hired somebody directly off their internship. I look him dead in the eyes. I go, okay, well, I'm gonna change that, and then I walked out, and I immediately just put I put my work in. Um, I hustled nice. while you know while some people are going to get coffee and stuff for the other people. I did the normal intern stuff too. You know, the the, the things you have to do that come along with it, but. I just sat back in one of the back studios when I had free time where I wasn't like on schedule to do things and taught myself how to use the equipment, started making like highlight audio sound packages just so I can be better. And when, when the time came for me to actually like do work, I'll be ready. And I was, and so time went on. Eventually uh, I started making an impact and they started seeing how hard I would work. And how, like, I would, at a young age, I was being very professional about the whole thing. And, uh, yeah, an opening came available um, six months into my internship. And they said, hey, we would love to hire you. Um, we have this position open as a part-time producer. 
you would be, um, you know, running, being a board operator for White Sox baseball, maybe eventually become a producer at White Sox baseball. And uh, I was a junior, I was a junior in college, and I already had my job at ESPN. It was crazy. Dude, that is that is really cool. We've we've talked a little bit about that in the past, but hearing a little bit more of the detail, I, I really like the ambition part. Like, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna change that. I didn't do that in an arrogant way or anything. You know, it sounds like that, but I was more just like, I just, when I walked out, like I, I'm going to work really hard at this and I'm going to make, I'm going to build my own, my own path and tell my own story here. And, uh, I did. And eventually, um, after I got hired, I, my first gig was to produce White Sox baseball and it was pretty crazy. I produced the White Sox 2005 season, the season they won the world series. And so I was involved in the White Sox World Series. I was on the board running. Did I did all like the highlight packages, the creative work, so like all the hype, the hype audio because it was not really hype video, it's radio. But like all the hype, the highlight packages, the the highlights with the music and like telling a story a story through audio was my my passion and my strength. I had a really I thought a really special ability to do that. Um, I can visualize things that I I can watch something on TV. And I can see the highlight happening and I hear the audio. I'm like, okay, that's going to be clipped here. This is going to be the highlight, but I'm going to use this song with it. It's going to tell a story. And I would like, just love doing that. And eventually went on to produce um, some of the sports talk shows. I produced the Waddle and Sylvie show, which is actually still on the air here in Chicago. Number one sports talk show in the city. And uh, yeah, I worked, uh, worked at ESPN from 04 to, to 2010. Um, and I had really successful times. I just, unfortunately, the business was a rough one that didn't pay much. And I got tired of working a couple jobs. I worked at it. That was my main job. And then I took like a part-time sales job to kind of like make it work financially. But it just wasn't. I was faced with the decision to kind of at a crossroads. I'm like, do I do uh, something that's fun and stay in this for a while and grind until the money-making opportunities really come out or do I make a change? And I decided I want more in my life and I decided to make a change. And that's actually how I got connected with our trucking company that we both worked for is a friend's family worked in the business. My uh, best friends, basically three brothers I grew up with, their family was always involved in the logistics and trucking industry, whether they own their own trucking company or had a warehouse. And they saw how hard I was working and, and the output that wasn't, you know, the, the, the financial aspect wasn't, you know, supporting me in, the, in a way that made sense. And they felt like I was kind of getting taken advantage of for the quality of work I was doing. And uh, yeah, in 2010, I resigned at like the peak of my abilities. I was producing the number one sports auction in the city. I was known as the best sound producer in the city and kind of being groomed to do bigger things. But I just didn't want it anymore because it didn't make sense for me. It kind of burned me out. And I needed to change the scenery. I totally get that. One of the things that I'd, I'd like to comment on is, is when you go back and you're watching the event and mm-hmm. you actually, you know, you're watching sports and you're like, oh, that right there. And like how you totally described it. Right. So recently, like, oh, I don't know, just over a year ago, I actually started doing like editing and stuff mm-hmm. for the YouTube stuff. And I'm just I use Premiere Pro and I just grind on it kind of the same way, you know, self-taught YouTube is your friend. I watch other people's videos go, how would I do this different? How should I do this different? And so on. And then you get into like after effects and you start learning all this stuff. 
but it's really kind of hilarious because now like I'll watch a commercial and I'm like, that is junk. Who oh, edited it? Why would you edit that way? That is oh, ridiculous. Yeah. Those graphics are terrible. It's you crazy. Know, not that I can do any better, but it's you you start getting an analytical mind towards it and you're like, oh yeah, that's no oh, yeah. good, man. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, I still to this day when I hear anything on the radio, I mean I, I can I can tell like when I was in it at the moment and I was like I was I had the reputation of just being like the elite sound guy at our station and really in the city. Um and I love like I can I can hear things and that people other people couldn't hear. Even in my own stuff yeah. we they loved it. People were like, oh that's awesome. And I listen back at it. I'm like, no, that wasn't great. I need to fix that. And I was like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, I can hear the little space, there's still too much gap here. Or, you know, I could have used the the lyrics came in after a highlight and it was a word was cut off or something. To the regular yeah. ear, no one hears it. But to me, it's like I just had the ear for it, you know. It's just and it's also just my yeah. work. Um it's that one he, person that, that'll hear it. You know, I I would do things all and this is my huge I still do this to this day, which we'll talk more more of the other stuff later, but like yeah, I, I like to be I put so much thought into everything that I do. I like it. I get I I am fulfilled when I get to really expand and showcase creativity. So like if I watch the highlight, for example, um and you know, say if it was something sparks, if it's something dramatic, um, a dramatic moment in the game. And I, I'll think of like three or four songs that and like think of the lyrics of the song. Can I can I fit those in to tell a story? Or even if I don't want to play lyrics and I just want to have a song in the background, it's not just music in the background. It's maybe the title of the song or a lyric of a song. But if that's popular, well, where you can just hear the audio and, you know, you know what I'm alluding to. You know why it was there. There's a reason for it. It's not just slapped on to it. And we would get emails to our our, our show's email and be like, you know, after something airs, they're like, Billy Z, that's I got that reference. That's awesome. And like for those two people that might catch it, that's those are the ones I'm doing it for. Like, yeah. I mean, I, uh, I mean, for me, I don't want to say that. I, I say this with I tell anybody who works in anything, any creative field and you're doing the same thing too when you're doing editing now and in your shows and everything um like if you're not doing it for yourself why are you doing it like you know i don't pander to an audience like i literally make this stuff because i like it and i trust and i'm confident in my abilities that if i think it's good or i laugh or whatever someone else is going to think it's good and they're going to laugh because i i trust my my gut on this and and at the end of the day i don't care if they don't like it because i just made it for me I like it and I'm happy with it. Oh, yeah. And that's creative, creative my, my view on that. Oh, hundred percent. And, and the music thing, music is so like important, you know, mm -hmm. to, to whatever you're doing. And so, you know, a lot of the platforms that I'm putting myself on, I can't just go and get like the new, the new Taylor Swift song or something. Right. Like you just yeah. can't go <laughs> and get that. You know, it has to be royalty free or whatever, and you have to buy the program. But there are times like I have this feel for this moment in the video. Like mm -hmm. I know inside what I feel and how I want that. And I will go through music. I mean, literally over an hour just playing a small one or two seconds or three seconds of a song going, nope, nope, yeah. 
Eh, maybe, maybe, I don't know, maybe. Uh, nope. Until you get that one where you're like, found it. There it is. Okay. Yeah. Let, let's put it on, you know? Yeah. So, it's that's, just perfection. That's well, it's the creative process. Like, that's why people yeah. do this because it's the. You have a part, something in your brain sparks this that you need to you need to go on this, and it's going to take you a while to do it, and it doesn't matter because it's like it's part of the the journey. I used to I used to edit in a very um, like weird way. Um, we used to use something called Odyssey. It's where we um, and I think this program is long long gone. Um, it's, not, but, it's on my lap, my other laptop. I got it. Really? I wonder. I mean, well, it, might, it probably looks very different though. We used to use this, like, basically this big, like, console and had this Odyssey app on there. And um, I used to edit, and you'll understand this because, obviously, you do video editing. I would edit back to front. So instead of the start of the video or the start of the audio, I would go backwards. And people were like, and they watched me do it. And I'm like, like, how do you, what are you doing? And I'm like... This is this is how it needs to end. I'm gonna go ahead. I'm gonna I'm gonna do this in reverse because things need to. I need to move things around. And I would just like, I remember having interns uh, that I would teach. And I took because I was an intern. I took pride in really helping interns and teaching because when I was an intern, I didn't have a lot of support about like no one really put their arm around my shoulder and said, hey, let me teach you how to do this. I had to go back, and I'm not throwing anybody, I'm anybody under the bus, but like they had their jobs and their things they needed to do, and they didn't have time to do that. So I took, took it on myself to learn. But when I was involved and I was a producer, now I'm in that role where I'm the teacher. I took pride about anybody who interned under me was going to learn. And I'm going to teach them how, what, how I do things. And, you know, I tried to teach it in the, in the bare bones way, but then I also showed it my way. And I remember watching some of the interns behind me, like, what the hell are you doing? How did you just do that that fast? I'm like, I hear you. And I, I would like take it through and show them the, the process. And then they broke it down why I did that. And then they understood it. And they're like, no one would, this would never been taught. And yet like, no one would have taught me this. If you didn't come up with this whole process, this doesn't exist. And that helped me understand it so much better. Um, and eventually actually one of my interns, uh, his name is Chris Tannehill. Uh, shout out to Tanny uh, on uh, 670 to score here in Chicago. Another, it's the rival radio station, actually, ESPN. He is, he's been a long time sound producer. He took the reins that I started as being one of the, known as the best audio producer. He is the best audio producer and probably passed me up uh, anything I ever did. He's been doing it since basically I left. He produces uh, afternoon show there, but his sound quality editing is like, when I say elite, like elite, 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 we talked about Jordan earlier. He is the goat. Well, Chris Tannehill is the goat of audio production and sports radio. It's like it's amazing. But he still to this day, he he won an award for best um best sound producer. And he the the this newspaper was kind of doing a profile on him. He shouted me out in his in his thing and his little report to this day. He said he said I learned from two you know two people, Jason Goff, who's actually Jason Goff is the Bulls uh, pre and post game host on on TV here in Chicago now, and he's like Billy okay. Z, the third cat. Like he taught me everything he knew, and he took time. And a lot of people don't do that. And he, you know, showed me how to do this stuff. So the creative process is fun, you know. And I, I like I really loved going through it. And 
and I know that Chris does it and you do it. Like it's a cool journey to go through and just seeing something through. Um, it's yeah. taking something that's just sound and turning it into something special is, is, a, is a cool thing. Yeah. You know, and I think the way that you were talking about, like, you know, Hey, I, I'm now the producer and I have these interns and the way that you kind of step back and, and actually kind of give them something and teach them something. I, I really think once we move forward here with more about Billy, that's a really amazing kind of character trait that, uh, that you have, you know, like I learned very early on that you weren't some sort of like bullshitter or anything, you know, you were like very straight shooter, you know, and I think that's probably why our, our professional relationship really has been so good, you know, because it's just like, Hey, I'm, A, B or C happened. This is, what's going on or whatever, but just taking the time to, to learn somebody and, you know, getting that shout out and stuff. I mean, how, how rad, you know, somebody just looking back and just giving props to somebody who didn't have to take that time. No, not I mean, well, it's just like I, he, Chris didn't have to shout me out either. Like that's, that was really cool. I haven't been in the business forever, you know? Um, And it's kind of crazy. Like how, how life happens and we'll obviously talk more about it, but like I'm oddly connected to media more now than I think I ever was in the past and probably better at it than I was too. Uh, when I worked in radio, I didn't have any ambitions of being a host. Um, I kind of settled into production. I talked about how I wanted to be a broadcaster and a reporter, but when I, when I worked with ESPN, I was strictly audio production and producing a show, coming up with ideas, strictly being behind the scenes. My voice would yeah. be on some things, um, some of my production things, but not not much. I didn't like my voice. I felt like I spoke too quickly. Um, I didn't enunci- enunciate great, I don't think, you know, and I was not proud of it. And I also never really thought like, okay, I want to host a radio show. I just, I kind of settled into being a producer and I liked it. Um, and it's kind of weird because like flash forward now, it's been... 13 years and 14 years coming up on 14 years now away from it. And I'm, if, if we go, if I could go back and take current self and put myself in that position back then, it's like, it could be a whole world of whole world of change with, with media and everything. But uh, it's crazy right. how, how life goes. But uh, I think I was, I was always media. It can be a tough industry with a, a lot of snaky people. People saying they're going to do one thing, not doing it. A lot of lying, a lot of BS to get ahead. And so when I left there, I was never that person. I was always honest. Uh, my parents raised me right. So, you know, I when I left that business and I was out of media now, 2010 passes. I'm now with our current company with, with Landstar. Um, shout out to the big yep. blue star. And I said when I came to this business, I heard that like, yeah, there's a lot of lying and a lot of BS in it too. But I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to be me. I'm going to handle myself with, you know, uh, treat people with respect and honesty. And that's how I'm going to forge my relationships because they're not going to question every question of my character. You can question something else if you want to. You want to complain that I don't give you proper rates or whatever you want to do, but like, or whatever your, you know, professional compl- you know, complaints are, you're never going to say that like Billy lied to you or Billy was not working yeah. hard for you. You know, I don't think anybody has to worry about that coming from you for sure. Especially, no, I mean, there's that. different agencies out there right now. I mean, 
man, some of them are just horrible trying to take advantage of you. And it's, I've been doing it for so long. You can kind of, you pick it up, you know, the way that they word or phrase things like, I know you, what you're about to say next, you know, I've learned like from talking to in our business, talking to, you know, other brokerage companies, because we're essentially our company, we're a brokerage company, we're a trucking company, we're also a brokerage company. So, you know, I talk to other brokers, I talk to other you know, drivers, um, and my, you know, shippers and people, all, all these different people I work with. Um, there's a lot of BS, and there's a lot of nonsense in it. Um, and, you know, in our company, we have thousands of agents and there are thousands of drivers as an agent, which I can only speak of, because that's my role um, as, a, as a dispatcher, freight broker, whatever you want to call me. I wear a lot of different hats, um, yeah. but I could only control myself. And so I have to stand out amongst the thousands of others. And so my reputation, I will stand out because of my reputation. I've built a reputation over the years that like, I'm not going to screw you around. I'm going to do my, I'm just trying to get, basically I just want to get through the work day. I don't care that much to mess around. It's, it's trucking. It's not my life. I'm doing this to pay the bills and I'm not here to screw you over. So I got a lot of stuff going on outside of work that I care a lot more about than I do what, where a a random shipment goes to. And I'm not going to do that to somebody. So I'll always be a real straight shooter. And that's how I, you know, forge relationships. I really hope that people are picking up on some of these little keywords that you're saying about yourself, about being, you know, just honest and integrity and all of this, because I think that's really going to come fold here in a little bit once we get into some other stuff, you know, which is oddly kind of a, a almost a segue of what we're talking okay. about mm-hmm. into the rest of your life, because you're trying to think of the timeline right now, because you're engaged to Rachel. Mm-hmm. And trying to think, did the diagnosis come before her or after? It was after you guys no, no, just met. No, it was before. It before. Here, so let's let's do this. Let's let's flash forward. You know where I was in 2010. I leave the SPN. Yep. Now I'm with Landstar, and yep. you know around let's that fill time this I'm gap around, for sure. Yeah. So like I leave the SPN. I'm about 20, probably 29 when I leave. So around the age of 30. Okay. I'm, I'm no longer working in sports media. Um, I'm working in my new career in, in logistics and transportation. And basketball is still part of my life. Um, I'm playing recreationally with friends a couple times a week. You know, it's nothing like not, not professionally or anything like that. Just with friends, pick up games and stuff. But we'll play for hours. You know, we'll, uh, we'll go on a Tuesday night, Wednesday night, rent out a gym, and we'll play from 7 o'clock until 10 p.m. just running games all day. And so I'm still playing. I'm, um, uh, you know, feeling okay. And all of a sudden, you know, weird things started happening. This is where, uh, my story changes. So yeah, after being healthy my entire life, active playing sports, working in sports media, you've heard it all. And then all of a sudden now on these Wednesday nights when I'm playing basketball, I'll be on defense. And all of a sudden I just lose my balance and fall like my legs give out and I trip. And so I push, you know, I get up and I just, okay, get going. And this doesn't happen every game, but maybe like one out of every four or five games we play, I might like lose my balance or trip on my feet or just, you know, something happens. 
And I'm like, what the hell is that? I just, I just assume I'm 30 now and I'm at the under, other end of it. And now I'm uncoordinated. Like, this is just part of life. I'm getting older. But you just thought it was, he was old. Yeah. I just thought I was, I was just going to, I'm just getting older or something. So, yeah. Um, but as time goes on now, like these little backpedaling falls or shifting falls start happening more often. I would be on a picture of this three, three on one fast break myself and two others person got the ball down the middle and here's me tailing to the corner. I was always a three point shooter. So I would go spot up in the corner. Friend passes the ball ahead of me, like leads, leads the ball ahead so I can run and go get it. And all of a sudden I can't, I can't get it. Like I'm there, I'm looking at it. It's not super far ahead of me. I try to get it and I just can't reach it quick enough. Ball goes out of bounds. Friend looks over. He's like, what the hell was that? I'm like, I don't know, man. I thought I, I, I don't know. I should have had it three possessions later. I get the ball pass me in the corner and in, instead of popping a three and hitting a three, like I normally was pretty reliable. I would airball it like not even close to the rim. Like I'm talking like feet short. And it was like, friends were like your feet weren't set. You just kind of like you rushed. And I'm like, I, I don't know. I have no idea. Just, I should just slow down. And so alarming things are starting to happen or like, eye raising things were starting to happen. It, it still wasn't even alarming yet for me. I'm like, I don't know what's going on. I'm just, just rushing. And then, yeah, then I noticed like my running would even start to get a little choppy. Like I would start, you know, anytime I had to change direction quickly or make reactional moves where, you know, again, like a, on defense, for example, you know, or, you know, a quick decision where I have to do a quick cut. My leg would just like give out and I would fall. And my friends like, what? Why are you? are clumsy now. What's going on? And I, I don't know. Um, as time goes on, like flash forward, maybe like a year later, I noticed that like I would always wear like leggings or like tights under my um under my basketball shorts. They were becoming like a little loose. Like my muscle mass, my legs was getting smaller. And I was like, what the hell's going on? This is weird. Um, like something was up. And I, I did what every, any guy probably would do in his early thirties. I ignored it. I just kept trying to play through it. And a couple years pass. It's still kind of mild, but it's, it's slowly getting a little more noticeable of looks like I'm, I'm limping a little bit when I walk and like my gait was a little off. Um, I noticed that like getting up and down stairs was going to becoming a little tougher than normal. Um, like any, anywhere where I had to generate like power like a pushing up, I would have these problems. And one of the first, you're going to have many eye-opening moments for me and turning points, but one of the first turning points for me, for, for me was in 2015. Um, I went to Paris, France with a girlfriend at the time. And we get to the Notre Dame Cathedral. Um, and there's a spiral staircase you go up to um, to a top level so you can that overlooks Paris and sort of really pretty. Well, I'm going up this staircase and I am dying. I'm exhausted. I'm pushing up, kind of pulling myself on the railing and I'm like really, really tired and I'm not out of shape. I wasn't out of shape at the time or anything. I still worked out, still playing basketball, but I was struggling and I finally get to the top and actually really kind of funny moment. this <laughs> I, it cracked me up. I was like exhausted. I'm. It was It was right, right after Christmas, so right before New Year's. It's it's winter out there. It's cold. 
we get out there, but I'm sweating. I'm, I'm soaked under my like big, my sweatshirt, my you know, jacket that I was wearing, Parker, whatever. <laughs> and I was like, man, I'm so tired. And I turn around and for some reason, there's one random folding chair behind me. And I like died laughing. Like there's a God. And I sat down in this chair uh, and I sat down for a second. But when I, <laughs> when I took that seat, I, it was in my head that I have to like, I got to figure out what's going on with me. There's something wrong. Something's wrong. So when I came back to Chicago after the trip, I went to the doctor for the first time in oh, it's 2016. Uh, and I go to the doctor, explain that I'm having some type of leg issue or something muscle problem with my leg. And I started doing like all these tests, um, EKGs, EEGs, MRIs, CAT scans, you like, you name it, I've done every stupid test and I got no answers, just a bunch of medical bills. And it was frustrating. So I was like, okay, what the hell's going on? I, my body's changing at this point. I, I can still run a little bit, you know, I'm having trouble jumping. Um, but like, you know, I'm definitely, I'm a lot weaker than I was four years prior. Um, but even like getting up and downstairs, like I'm, I'm kind of like leaning on a railing more. Um, even like when I'm sitting down, I kind of had to push up a little bit to like get up and, but I don't know what's wrong with me. So I'm just like the hell, you know, I didn't want to go to the doctor anymore because I'm like sick of just getting these bills with no answers. So I just stopped going to the doctor and I'm like, okay, let's, what do I do? What do I always do? I'm just going to work through it. I'm going to work harder. So I started going to the gym every morning at 5 a.m. I worked out with a personal trainer. I kind of told him what issues I was having. He was a former physical therapist and he built a program to kind of like, I don't know, strengthen my legs again, like see if we can get some more mobility and strength back. And for a while, I actually thought, I thought it was like working. I felt like I was getting, like, I got some, like, I was able to like leg press more than I started. And I was, you know, working through this, but I was really just kind of like putting a bandaid on something that was a lot more serious. And one thing that would happen a lot was I would fall. My leg would give out at random times. And those falls that I mentioned in the basketball court would happen in everyday life. I'll be walking at home in my, in my, uh, in my apartment and just like leg gives out and I fall and I just push myself back up. And I'm like, it was like, like, it's like a light switch, light switch shuts off and I just fall like an instant. And it was very weird and it would happen a lot. It happened sometimes in public and, you know, and I look like, I look like a normal, healthy guy. Like you would never know anything's wrong with me. So like I was fighting this, um, uh, this reality that I had. And, you know, over the years I would fall hundred, I mean, I fell hundreds of times, but I never really hurt myself. I'd always just like push myself back up and, and, and keep going. And now, uh, here, I'll, before I go on, I'll see if there's anything you want to add to this. Cause I, it is kind of a long, uh, transition here or a long story, but. No, I, I think this is really good because, um, you know, there was a lot to see. You, you and I had, the, had a really long conversation when you found out. And uh, you're, you're kind of backfilling some of the gaps in that conversation that we were having. So mm-hmm. I think this is this is actually really good. But, you know, you're, you're doing a good job of because I was like, OK, you're falling a lot. I mean, were you getting hurt, you know, or, or whatever? And no. And, you know, I just I'm fascinated by what's going on here. And it's just well, emotionally well, and, and everything. You're just like, oh, man, really? 
you know it was so to take you more into my life like yeah that relate that relationship that i told you that the 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 woman i was i was in paris with we were in a long-term relationship well that ended in 2016 abruptly um out of nowhere and so 2016 was a very very difficult time for me i had a four and a half year relationship and i am having something crazy happen to me physically I had to move um, all in the, in the it basically in the same. I had one of the wildest stretches. I don't even know. If, I don't even know if Rachel knows this story. Like I had a stretch. I had a one of the one of the most trying stretches of my life in like seven days, literally seven days. I come back from uh, a trip that we ex girlfriend and I were on. Uh, went to Eastern Europe. We did like ten days and. Prague, Vienna, and Budapest. So I come back off of this awesome trip and feeling, you know, feeling good besides, you know, physical stuff. I know something's going on, but like, you know, I, otherwise life was okay. So I come back from the trip. First thing that happens from the trip, I'm driving, um, going to the grocery store to pick up some like, chicken on a Sunday morning. And all of a sudden, as I'm driving, I have a green light. I'm just going straight. And it's this like offset, um, kind of like blind intersection. So it's like there's east-west and the north-south comes off on an angle. All of a sudden I'm driving through and I'm not I'm just, I have a green light, I'm going straight. A, a police car, SUV, does not have his lights on, doesn't have anything, comes flying through the intersection and T-bones me. Spins my car around, destroys my car. I drove a Mini Cooper at the time. And thank God it hit it hit the back of my car, like the back door. And so I spun around. The car got like car was totaled. Um, well, not totaled, but it was it was very damaged very badly. But I thankfully was just I held on to the wheel. I had my seatbelt on, but like I spun around. My car was a mess. It was terrifying. I could have died in that accident. Oh yeah, I'm sure. It was yeah. That was that was the first thing that happened. Two days later. I got an email from my landlord, my place says that they can't renew my lease and I have to move out in like a month and a half um, or a little less than a little less than a month, a little over a month, basically, because I think they sold the unit or something. But they kind of like we were under the impression that we are under the agreement that I was going to renew and staying there. I had no no intentions on moving or anything. Right. So I go into this terrible car accident. I basically have to move. And then a next night after I find that out, I get a message from my ex saying, hey, we need to talk. Uh, I want to talk to you in person. Okay. And then all of a sudden, like, she breaks up with me. Next, a couple days later. So in one week, I come back from vacation, which I'm on the high. And then I get crushed with a car accident. I have to move. My relationship is over, which I have no idea why. It was very vague. It was a whole thing. And I know stuff that I won't, you know, won't talk about that today. But we had a whole thing that I found yeah. out later on. And on top of that, I have something crazy going on with my health. So I basically had a panic attack, and it was the worst. I was yeah. going through so much in a short period of time. Um, so, so it was crazy. So we'll take a, a break right there because mm-hmm. – so one of the things that um, we're, we're into here with the podcakes, right, and my YouTube channel and everything is, is actually men's mental health. Mm-hmm. So um, – I know a lot of people you know, listen to the podcast are like, oh, here we go. 
but I don't know if if you know this or maybe some new people to the channel, but um, you know, about ten years ago, I went through something where I attempted to in my own life, right? And so that didn't happen, and I kept that a secret for a while because I didn't want anybody to know. And then at some point, I met this entire beautiful motorcycle community, dual sport adventure. Um, community and I met this guy uh, his name's Chris Brack he goes through uh, or goes by rather Peter Moto and he put out a video about himself where he almost rode his motorcycle off a cliff right so he and I had this conversation and then about a year later I put out a video on my channel it's called my inner monologue and it's my story right so we, we've become kind of advocates and pushing for men's mental health because you know it's all hey Billy you're a dude, push it down. Don't worry about it. Right. Yeah. So you're talking about this entire, like you're just saying you're on this massive high coming back from your trip, getting smashed up in the mini Cooper, having the girl, having to move. Dude. It's like, how did you deal with that? Like you said, you had a panic attack. I did. You know? I did actually. But, I remember specifically, I, I will remember this for the rest of my, for the rest of my life. I remember the, the day after Day after she broke up with me, um, I woke up in an empty apartment, and it was like nine thirty in the morning. I needed somebody to talk to, and it was like I couldn't reach any of my friends. And I was, I got down to one knee, and I was, I couldn't breathe. I kept trying to breathe, and I couldn't breathe, and I was freaking out. And I didn't know who to call, and I'm calling my friends, uh, my friend's girlfriend is the only person I can get a hold of. And I'm like, I need somebody. I need to talk to somebody. And she's like, What's wrong? I'm like, I can't breathe, and I was like freaking out. She's like, let's talk to me, talk to me. I'm like, I can't do this. I can't. I've so, this is so much. This is so much. And and so, um, you know, she calmed me down. She's like, just breathe. Control your breathing. Just breathe first off. It's going to be okay. Just, you know, do that. And there was a there was a stretch where, you know, I went through uh, after that moment in that, like, panic attack. My my best friend, uh, my best friend's name is Waleed, um, my, my little brother, basically. He did not leave my side besides that moment that I was, you know, alone at home. He stayed with me like the entire weekend. He made sure that I hung out with him. Uh, and they're like, he did the best he can to keep, you know, keep me there. And I'll remember that. I'll always remember that. Um, Cause he just said, keep me, keep me sane. And then like, as time went on, um, you know, a month later, a month and a half later, I needed to like find myself again um, just to figure out what was, I had a lot, a lot going on. And again, this now has nothing to do with health or anything. This is just like mental health, just trying to get myself back. This is not about my legs or anything. It's, just, it's my brain and my yeah. heart. What's, uh, what's off. And I remember going to Toronto, Canada to my birthday is June 12th. And I decided to go to Toronto to celebrate my birthday with my, um, close friend of mine and his wife and their kid lived, um, they lived in Toronto. They used to live in Chicago. We grew up together. They moved to Toronto and I'm like, okay, I'm going to go visit them. So I just booked a flight and I'm like, I need to, I need to get out of here. And that, that weekend in Toronto was the, the, the start of where I started to smile again. Um, I just started having fun with them. I stopped thinking about the nonsense. And then I came back after that trip. So Toronto will ever forever have a special place in my heart, like because it it was the city that kind of corrected me a little bit. And then I came back. I remember golfing with some friends of mine, uh, really close friends. I came across some things that I didn't want to necessarily see, 
but I needed to see them. And it helped me shut the door on that relationship and that, that part of the hurt that was there. I saw something that, that I would have broke my heart, but I, I saw that. I'm like, no, I actually good door done. And I started a new part of my life at that point. Um, and so gave you the closure, the mental closure it, that, yeah, I, that needed, I needed, I needed to, I needed to see it and realize that it wasn't, it wasn't all, none of it was worth a damn. It's not worth my tears. Yeah. It wasn't worth the heartache. And, uh, one thing I took away from that relationship was though, I, I never had a pet in my life. Um, I never had a dog or cat or anything growing up, but, um, she had dogs and I had my first experience with them and I grew to love them. And we had, had to put one of the dogs down. Um, that which was, you know, I never knew, I never knew what that meant until I went through it, but I walked away from that relationship. And also from my time in Toronto because my friends had a dog as well. They had a wiener dog and I grew, like, I just grew to love wiener dogs. And I said, I want to get a dog. Once I'm, once I'm settled here and I can, you know, find the right fit for me, I'm going to adopt a dog. And six months later or so, once I kind of figured you know, got my sea legs back a little bit and I was getting more confident and kind of figuring things out. I ended up, uh, did the one, one of the biggest things I've ever done in my life. And I adopted my dog, Einstein, uh, my wiener dog, uh, wire haired dachshund. Um, he's a stray from the Texas, Mexico border, but I needed, I needed a friend badly. And he was, he needed me. I needed him. And it was the best partnership ever. Um, and yeah, I adopted him in 2016 and all of a sudden a year started changing now i have something more to to work for to come home to i didn't i wasn't like dating anybody or trying to like go out i was more just trying to work on myself but now i have a reason to be home because i have einstein at home and i remember even like the cubs the cubs won the world series in 2016 and i remember during that playoff run i would go to a a brewery out here hopewell brewing in my neighborhood and it was dog friendly so i'd bring einstein with with me and put him in a little cubs jersey and we'd watch the games and so together, he was like my good luck charm during that playoff run and that World Series run. Um, so 2016 started really, you know, shitty for me and poorly, but then it ended really great with the Cubs winning the World Series. I find my dog now, and I have my friend, and I'm yeah. starting to, I'm starting to move forward with things. But back to my health, which is something that was a constant during this time, and the unknown, I should say, the true unknown. You know. A couple years pass. This is 2016. Let's forward on to, you know, 2019. And you talk about mental health and, you know, trying to figure out how to go through things. Well, I'm still trying to grind through this, but now I'm in much, much worse physical condition. It's getting worse and worse. It's progressing as, as years go on. At this point in my life, I can no longer run or jump. Um, when I'm sitting down, I have to push up to get up. And I can't get up in stairs without a railing now. I'm just kind of going up, pulling myself up, leading with my right leg. My left leg, or my left leg, is stronger, so I'd like lead, taking a step with my left leg, and then kind of pulling myself up. So like one step at a time, pulling up, one step pull up. And but friends and family don't know anything's really going on with me. They have no idea I'm having these issues. Well, a couple of friends, but no, I kept it really close. And again. I walk in a room, you're probably not going to know anything's wrong with me. I don't, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I have a slight limp, but you got to really be paying attention to catch it. And so I'm just continually in a weird way, like kind of like living a lie because something's wrong and, and I'm not doing anything about it. I'm just trying to, to go through with it. So Are you trying to hide it. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I live every day. I hit it. I hit it every single yeah. day. My friends knew I worked out a lot. So if like they said, oh, it looks like you're limping. I was like, oh, it's leg day, which is kind of hilarious. I would say it's leg day. But I mean, I was just sore. You know, I'm just tired. You know, that's yeah. what I would just say. Um, it's leg day. It's leg day, you know. Um, yeah. So now 20 flash forward into 20, the end of 2019, we're approaching 2020. So after my relationship ends, um, I'm single. I've, I'll go on dates, you know, met a lot of people, but I never, nothing, no one ever latched, never latched on anything. And then I actually took, I took a, basically a year for myself. Um, I didn't go on a single date and from February of about February of 2019 till the end of 2019, approaching 2020, I didn't go on a single date to talk to anybody. I just said, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm just going to like focus on myself, be a good dog dad, try to work my professional career out and just make, you know, have time with my friends. I'm not worrying about a relationship. If it falls in line, great. And so you're, you're talking about, you know, working on yourself. Like, first of all, let's, let's, we're going to come back to that for a second, but you were talking about when you, when you got Einstein, you know, uh, which is a rad doc. He doesn't, he have his own IG page. Uh, yeah. World of Einstein. (laughs) I don't really update as much as I used to. They used to be the elite, uh, that was the, my, my main my main focus was uh, his page. Now I um now it's in the yeah. back back seat, but he'll he'll make an appearance on my personal page, and then like yeah, he still has uh, World of Einstein. He's a rad dog. He's a local Absolutely. celebrity. People know him in the neighborhood. Yeah, right, right, right. Local neighborhood. I I think it's funny because you were talking about like when you when you met them, you know, it's mm-hmm. like he you needed him, he needed you, right? Mm-hmm. And and especially when you're rescuing a dog, because sometimes you just don't know. And when you were talking about that, that made me remind me of Toby. Uh, one of these, we had a, a couple pugs for a long time. Mm-hmm. And um, so we had Tucker and we were talking about getting another pug. So we started looking around and we found one and uh, <laughs> found him at Pacific Pug Rescue here in Portland. And we found, I was just going through, I was in Salt Lake City and it was like, holy crap, snow outside. And I was just, on my phone and I was like going through the dogs and I just came on Toby's profile and I'm like, that's my dog. That's my dog. You know? So when we got home, they were having a meet and greet and I was listening to everything about, um, or reading everything that was listed about him. And they were talking about like, probably not good for dudes or for men, um, was actually beat and abused by a man, you know, and, uh, don't come up from behind. Cause he'll probably, you know, go and at you or whatever. And it was like a really weird thing. I remember I walked in and I'm like, where is he? And it's like, we made contact, eye contact. That was it. He knew. And I knew like, that's it. We're, we're a thing. And he was my trucking dog, man. He went everywhere with me. It was, it's I have, awesome. I have you a know. story with Einstein. Um, so I, I found him on the Illinois pet finder site, which links you to different rescues throughout the country. He was a stray from the Texas-Mexico border. There's a rescue called Tracy's Dogs, which they would, there's a huge overcrowding population in Texas of dogs. They would scoop up these dogs, give them, you know, obviously take care of them, and then they would drive them. They they had their own tractor trailer, basically like this whole trailer hitch, and they would bring this, they do adoption events in different cities, and they'll bring up 50 dogs from from Texas up to, you know, different cities, to different like pet smarts and stuff. You do all the stuff online, and you talk to them, and it's a huge, like, in very strict, like, interview process. It was crazy. Um, 
but I, I ended saw up getting... them at a rest area. Did you? I was at they're a rest awesome. area, and they were parked there in like a sprinter van, and they had yeah. the side door open, and then they had all the dogs in in the crates, and I was like. Yeah what is this? And they told me about it. And I was sitting there, I was loving on the dogs for yeah, a while, but no, yeah, it's, it's great, funny. They're, yeah. It's they're awesome. awesome. They're great. I mean, I'll always be indebted to them because they obviously introduced me to my, to my guy. Um, but I remember when I go to this event now, I have like a, no experience with dogs really, or, you know, little experience with dogs. So I go to this event, they, you know, I'm going to get Einstein again. He's a, like a, at the, at the time was a, like a 14 and a half pound, wire haired dachshund, uh, you know, standard size. So it's a little, you know, larger for a dachshund, but he's not a big dog by any means. So we go, go to the pet smart and I'm like, you know, I need to get a harness and stuff for them. And the staff is like, Oh, you should just get this harness here. This will be, this will work. And I'm like, sure. Okay. So I buy everything. I put this harness on them. We walk out. The location was in a suburb of Chicago and it's like pretty close to the highway. So I go out of there and I'm walking Einstein. It looks like he's limping. And I looked down and he was kind of like moving his leg a little bit. And all of a sudden I look up for a second, I look back down, he's gone. He wiggled out of his harness and oh, ran no. away. And I almost died. I thought I lost my dog immediately. I just literally got this dog and walking out and he's gone. I'm freaking out and trying to like find him. And I, I'm yelling like, help, help, help. The, uh, the, one of the owners of the rescue comes out and they start calling his name. And they came, he came to them. He was scared. He came to them and thankfully he's okay. Like he didn't run onto the highway or anything, but I almost died. Yeah. And they come up and they're like, what harness did they give you? And I'm like, I told them, they're like, no, 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 this is not what you need. And like, here, we'll give you the one we had from before. But I remember going into the car and I have him, I'm, I get to the car, put him in my lap, put him down. I literally look at this dog. I have a heart to heart with him. I'm like, listen, don't ever do that again. You're never going to want to do that. No one's ever going to love you more than I, I will. There's no reason to be scared. I'm your person. I promise you, you're never going to get, I, I will ne never let anybody hurt you, but I will hurt you if you ever do that again. Don't, please. And he's never left my, he won't leave my side since. So, uh, but it was crazy. Like I, I had a heart attack. I almost lost my dog <laughs> basically immediately. Oh my God. Um, so yeah, Bro. he's my, he, he's, he's your hurt uh, dog. He's my dog, but like he's got all he's got all he's got all sorts of anxieties. Um, I've had to learn how to deal with his issues um, from who knows what his past was. You know, um, I don't know what happened exactly, but he's a lot of things that trigger him. Um, but I, I like save him from himself in those positions or I try to put him in the best position to succeed and take care of when he needs it. That dog, yeah. though, is special and he knows like when I'm off. I remember, you know, moments I had with him, like I'm obviously going through something at this time, something's wrong with my body. I'm having some kind of physical issue. I remember going to do a biopsy where they took a little piece of uh, muscle to test out of my um, quad. And I basically felt like someone shot me in the leg, like I, after the, you know, for the recovery of it. So I couldn't be off of my, I had to be off my leg, but I had to also walk my dog. So I had to hop down with a crutch down the steps to like get him out. But I remember like doing that and him, I'm, I'm upset. I'm obviously don't know what's going on and I have a lot going on. And I remember him coming up to me and just like sitting in my lap and it was like a Saturday night, night, you know, early thirties, like the night I'm probably going to, I should probably go be going out or something. 
no, I'm on my couch. I order Thai food and I, I uh, pay-per-viewed Secret Life of Pets and I watched Secret Life of Pets with my dog on my lap. And he just sat there like, like, like a baby on me. And we have that bond. Like he knows, you know, there's times where I've fallen on the street um, and hurt myself. Well, here, let's actually go forward a little bit. I'm gonna, this is a perfect right. opportunity for me to lead ahead a little bit. So I'm going keep, keep to a, keep a thought about Einstein. I'm going to go back to Einstein in a second. But I alluded to taking time for myself, not trying to go on dates or anything like that. And 2019. 2019. So this is November, end of, end of uh, 2000. Uh, this is like December of, of, uh, of 2020 at this, or 2019. Excuse me. Okay. I'm at home um, in my apartment with uh, my neighbor and her friend. So these two girls were over, we're just talking, we're having a conversation about like dating and we're all lamenting how dating sucks and how dating apps are the worst. And this is like the worst time, you know, you know, just complaining about dating. And I told them like, yeah, I I don't want to, um, yeah, I have been, I've been good. I'm not, I'm not, I've been going on dates. I don't even want to like think about it right now. And they're like, how are you not with anybody? How are you not with anybody? Like you're like one of the nice, let's, Let's go back just a minute because what we have going on right here uh, in the Portland, Oregon area was we have a pretty nasty ice storm going on Mm -hmm. right now. And so you were talking about December of 2019 Mm -hmm. and we just had a major glitch and we lost everything for a minute. We lost you for from December 19th on. So maybe I'll do some studio magic or maybe I'll just leave it in. No, leave it in. Leave it in. So, So, yeah. Yeah. Basically, so 20, um, the, we go back to November, December of 2019. I kind of took basically from February of that year to myself and said, I don't want to go on dates. I just want to kind of like hang out with friends, enjoy life, find myself, feel comfortable, get more comfortable alone and not need anybody, you know? And I end up having a conversation with my neighbor and her friend came over. We're just kind of lamenting about dating and the culture and, and frustrations and such. And they're like, Billy, how are you not with somebody? Like, you're you're one of, like, the coolest people we've ever known. Like, you're such a good dude. And they're like, you need to put yourself back out there. Like, you should do it. Like, go back out. Try try to get back on. Like, go on a dating app. Like, just do it. It's a great way to meet people. May, don't have to dedicate your life to it. But, like, it's just a way to meet more people. And so they sold me on the idea. And I'm like, all right, whatever. So I ended up downloading a dating app the next day. I matched with two two women right off the bat. You know, because I'm like I'm the man. No, <laughs> so I'm joking. So <laughs> I'm, like, I'm, of course I, I don't. I don't. <laughs> so I I've matched with two people. One one was just some some woman. The other person was this just beautiful woman named Rachel. Um, and we like match and start a conversation right away, and it's a really fun conversation. Um, and that's one thing I kind of like. I always. I never like, I never enjoyed, I don't never like casual dating. I never like cared for that, but I was always, I'm, I, I can have conversations with anybody. Yeah. And in those settings, even when I was in a relationship and my friends were on dating apps, they used to hand me their phone and I would like do the small talking conversations for them. I would get their dates set up for them and like almost go strike for them. That was my, th- I love like having stupid conversations and like BSing. I, I like, I'm good at that. Uh, and that's the one thing I enjoyed, but like, over the years, what I hated was I usually didn't get a lot back. 
it's always just like, what's your favorite color? <laughs> like, oh, I like oh, tacos. <laughs> like, I, it was just like stupid conversation. But Rachel and I had a great, funny, like engaging, hilarious conversation. So I'm like, huh, I like where this is going. I immediately just kind of get her number. I'm like, here, here's my, or I give her my number. Here's my number. Text me if you want to, you know, chat off of this. She messages me and it, I'll always remember it was hysterical. First message she sends me was a gif of like a foot, but the foot was like waving. It was like all saying hello, but it was just a foot. It was the weirdest, creepiest thing, but it killed me. And I'm like, okay, well, I think we may have a, we may have a winner here. So I, it was kind of funny. I, I, I deleted the dating app and I just started texting and having conversation with her. Um, and now this is January of 2020. So we end up talking for really talk consistently, even on the phone, which is kind of like a lot of people don't really do that when they don't meet. We had conversations on the phone. We text. We knew each other before our first date pretty well. So the edge that was normally there for a first date, meeting somebody was kind of off. We were both looking forward to meeting each other. And we we had a great first date. And then the first date turned to a second date, second date turned into a third date. And this spanned over, you know, like a month, month and a half. And all of a sudden we're out uh, at a brewery for a friend of mine's event. And uh, we get an alert saying that sheltering a place is starting tomorrow because something called COVID is, is spreading a rare disease, you know, a respiratory disease is, is spreading. And, all businesses are going to be shut down and we can't leave. I'm like, the hell? We just we just met, obviously. We're like, you know, a month, a month into talking, a month and a half talking, dating, what do you want to call it? And um, we're faced with this crazy news. And I'm like, you want to just come stay with me? Because we lived in very different neighborhoods uh, in Chicago. She was more toward like downtown and I'm on more on the west side. I'm like, you want to just pack up some stuff and stay with me for 10 days? She's like, yeah, let's do it. Because we didn't know, like, we don't know. We didn't, Can we leave the house? We don't know what we're expecting. So yeah. all of a sudden, you know, all of a sudden we go from just kind of dating, getting to know each other to living together, like right off yeah. the bat. And uh, so yeah, many questions crazy. right now. Yeah, so many questions. <laughs> yeah. So COVID was actually like super rad for you because you're like, hey, mama, come over here, <laughs> you know. Yeah, besides the whole but, okay. like, you know, besides the whole death thing throughout the world, it was great. <laughs> oh yeah, dude, for real. I'm so, kidding. I know. So, first date, where'd you guys go? First date was uh, at a place called the Hoxton. It's a it's a hotel here in Chicago, a really nice hotel in the West Loop, uh, which is kind of like a trendy, cool neighborhood. Um, I used to go um, to the Hoxton. There, there's a Hoxton in, I believe, New York. Chicago, I think Portland actually. There might be a Hoxton in Portland. Um, hold on a Not second. Sure. This is gonna it's gonna bother me now. Let me just I'm gonna do off off camera research. Uh, Portland. Yeah, there you go. So yeah, there's the a Hoxton, Hoxton in Portland. Is that, is that downtown? Like it's, the one in Chicago? Yeah, it's a it's a neighborhood called the West Loop, which is just just west of downtown. So like you know minutes from downtown. It's like the the West Loop. I would say is the area that has it's like trendy, trendy. Re- it's like the restaurant. They call it Restaurant Row. So like a lot of really nice restaurants, 
cool bars, kind of like a cool area, industrial area. It's built, it's been built up. It used to be nothing. And now it's like a really hot spot in neighborhood. So like 18 years ago, I, uh, for my 30th, right. My mom, she's like, Hey, what do you want to do? And I wanted to go to a Cubs game. Mm-hmm. So my mom took me to the Cubs, you know, for my 30th. Yeah. I remember we were cruising through downtown somewhere. And I, I want to say that's where we went to smash down some food one night. But I don't know. I felt like it was like downtown where we were. But probably, probably the name name sounds right. So, yeah, the Hoxton, the Hoxton Hotel, it's just a, there's a it's really nice hotel. But then they also have like a really nice like lobby bar. So we just kind of met in the lobby bar. It's very like really kind of a little loungy area. I um I used to like work remotely from there sometimes. I bring my laptop and I just go like sit there and work during the nice. day. It's kind of quiet and stuff. I just kind of hang out there. Um, and I thought it was just kind of a cool like just a good spot for a first date. Um, and then uh yeah, and then like we went on a couple couple dates early on. But this I'll go back to before we were um you know before we moved in. We'll get to that in a second. But um. Yeah, a couple of first dates were fun. We did a couple of fun things. And then I can actually tell something kind of more of, of regarding the health. The first, um, the, one of the first times I was with Rachel where there was a kind of like a, like uh, a huh moment. Like, what was that about? Where we went, uh, we went to the actual, went to the Chicago auto show with uh, a big group of friends of mine. It was the first time like she met a lot of my friends. We went, uh, Went to the auto show, walked around for a little bit, and then we ended up going to like a brewery and had some beers and, and some food after. But at the auto show, we're walking, and you know, I would I had issues with sometimes, like I said, my legs would kind of like randomly give out. But you know, uneven ground, for example, or say if we're walking on like a cobblestone road or like cracks in the ground, changes in elevation, these things can trigger my balance issues. And I was walking and kind of like a car it's carpeted area but it was kind of like a, a little ramp that i didn't see you have to like really pay attention you wouldn't even notice that there was a change in elevation i walked my leg gave out and i fell i like ate shit and i got up really quickly and tried to paint the on track like nothing happened you know what's wrong you know anything happened she's like you okay i'm like oh yeah carpet monster got me I, I don't know what that was and i tried to play it off like nothing was wrong so you know she didn't bring anything up at first about that but one of my biggest fears before meeting Rachel and then really during the entire time of being single was having to talk about what was going on with my legs when I don't have an answer. I was scared to like bring that up to anybody. Um, I didn't want to, what am I going to say? Like I have, I have a a weird thing happening with my legs. That's what what I would say. Like I have a weird muscle issue. I didn't know what to say. And I don't, and then they asked me like why I I didn't want to answer the questions when I didn't have answers. So I just was really nervous about it. So, you know, she didn't bring anything up at first, but then now we get to the point of sheltering in place happening and now she's staying with me and she's a very smart, intuitive person. She, you know, she brought it up. I don't remember exactly what time, you know, when this, in the timeline she brought up, but she's like, Hey, you know, when you fell back there, like what really happened? And I was so scared. I didn't want to tell her. I'm like, I'm like, she's like, what are you talking about? So when you fell the auto show, like you fell, what happened? I'm like, all right, here's the deal. Um, I have something going on. Uh, like I like I told you before, I have a I have a weird muscle thing going on. Um, I went to the doctor before and I didn't get any answers, and 
I've just been kind of ignoring it. Damn earbud. It's um, yeah. That was this thing slides out of my ear constantly, and I can feel it lo getting looser, looser. So, um, you know, she's like, "What? What is it?" And I said, "I don't know. I, I've been having this problem for a little bit. It's kind of been progressing, but I, I just don't have any answers. Um, and I need to go back to the doctor. But you know, this is like." COVID's happening. Hospitals are kind of starting to shut down. Like I can't go to the doctor. So right. I just kind of had this agreement with her. Like I'll look into it, but like she knows it was kind of a touchy subject. So like I would talk to her about it, but like I wouldn't really like get too deep into it, you know, cause I didn't, I had nothing. What am I going to say? I just, I have nothing to say. I don't know what's going on. And so, yeah, now, uh, now we're living together. Um, 10 days turns into sheltering place goes to a month and a month turns into three months. And as you, we all, we all went through the same story uh, with COVID basically, um, you know, we, uh, we are at now June of 2020 and I tell her like she was, we were, we were working all, we were all working remotely. Um, she was working remotely with her job, but then like now they're going to start maybe going back into the office. And her office is close to her old apartment, which is not where I live in my neighborhood. And so I said, what's, what's the point? Why are you going to go back? Just stay here. We're obviously happy. We're getting along now. Our relationship is kind of speeding up because of COVID in a weird way. Like we had to figure out if we can live together right off the bat, you know? So we skipped a lot of the steps that others didn't have to do, but it was working out for us because we were in, we were happy with each other and, enjoyed our time and made the most of being together. We had some really fun moments during COVID. We were, we, we had we were together instead of being alone with our pets, we were together with our pets and it worked out really well. Um, and I remember asking her and I said, just your, her lease was up, you know, pretty soon after, uh, like I think it was like September of that year. I said, just stay with me. I'll drive you to work. I'll, I'll make sure you get there. Don't worry about it. And, uh, I never let her leave. She ended up moving in, and uh, <laughs> so we, uh, our relationship, uh, you know, um, I got to forward on to this, uh, the story will forward on here, but I proposed to Rachel uh, in December of uh, 2022, going into 2023, and we're getting married this October, so. Uh, Outstanding. Yeah, that's, yeah uh, our relationship's kind of like, it's been a, it's a, you know, COVID success story, I guess. Um but yeah, I'll be crashing is, your, your wedding. Just yeah, FYI. Yeah. No, that's fine. That's fine. Um, I will, I will, you'll, you'll be there and I, I would, you know, be honored to have you there. Um, so I'd love to be there for sure. So this is, uh, now this is where the story starts to, you know, there's a lot of good There's my story is, you know, what's going on, but there's no beginning, middle end here. And this is where things start to, we start to get more clarity. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to take you back just a little bit. We're back in 2020 now. Uh, Rachel and I are not engaged at this point, but we're, we're obviously dating, living together. She's witnessing me fall a lot, a lot around the house. I am falling constantly, you know, maybe once or twice a week in the apartment, you know, pretty, pretty often I'm, I'm falling and having these issues. And you know, each time I just, you know, I push myself back up, I get up. Okay. I'm not hurt. I'm not hurt. And then Everything changes. Uh, February 13th of 2021, um, 
we decide to get out of our apartment and just want to like change the scenery. We're kind of places are still kind of shut down because of COVID and it's a little, it's still a little weird here in the Chicago area. And we decided let's get out. Let's go to like an outlet mall. Let's just go walk around. So we get to the uh, Rosemont outlet malls here in Chicago or just outside of Chicago and Rosemont. I take one step out of my car, literally one step, my leg gives out and I fall. Now I have fallen, like I told you a ton of times over the years, um, but I've always gotten back up. This time I fell on my foot, on my like right foot and my weight was on it and I felt a pop. Um, and I immediately knew something was wrong. I like kind of buckled awkwardly onto my foot. And I am in a parking garage that's like, it's February, it's cold. There's like snow on the ground in this garage. It's like muddy and dirty. And I'm sitting in this little puddle and I can't get up. I, I'm hurting. I know, I know, I know something's wrong. So Rachel comes out, she's like, you okay? I'm like, no, just, keep, give, just give me a second. Give me a second. I just kind of like the shock is, is going on. There's cars right. passing me by, like looking at me and asking if I need help. Cause I'm just like on the floor. And I'm like, no, just give me, give me a second. I like compose myself after a moment or so, and I push myself up and I hop back to the car, get in the car. And <laughs> this is, I don't remember this. It's so stupid. This is like just me, dumbass me. Sometimes I'm sitting there. I'm like, okay, just give me a second. We'll go inside. We'll go shopping. She's like, what are you talking about? Like, go. Did you look at your foot? I'm like, I, I didn't. I didn't. I looked down. I'm wearing, I'm wearing a pair of Adidas. Uh, they're called Ultra Boost. It's like just like sneaker. It's kind of like mainly a mesh kind of cloth thing. I can see where like the toe box is of the shoe. And here's a, here's a flat shoe. And you can see my toe like just actively pointing up. Just like, just like this. Flat foot, toes up. And you can see oh, it man. pushing against it. So I immediately go, oh. I didn't even, I, I'm in like shock. It's kind of like numb, you know, I don't realize what's going on. And so we have to go to the ER. She drives me to the ER. My toe is dislocated. My, my, the, there's like a joint. My toe is dislocated. So my big toe is like literally sticking up and I'm in such pain. And so we go back and I get the ER and they're like, they try to numb it and they can't numb it. And they're like, this is going to hurt, but we need to get this back in. And I'm like, all right. And it was literally the worst pain I've ever felt in my life. Uh, trying to pop it back in. They finally get this thing back in. <laughs> I joke when it finally went in. I finally. Oh, because they took a, it took a couple of times. They even tried to numb it. The, the, yeah. the numbing. The numbing hurt more than anything because it doesn't really numb. It's just an awkward area. Right. There is a, a tw- I think he said, I think what the doctor said, like a 5 or 10% chance that that joint can dislocate without you breaking anything so like that's just i didn't break a foot or anything just dislocated that joint and it's very rare for that to happen and mind you all i did is take a step i didn't fall from a crazy height i literally just stepped down and my leg like just impact went down so the the feeling (laughs) when it actually popped back in i i say it's kind of hilarious i felt like i just peed pooped and throw up at the same time like Every every weird thing that you can happen to you, that's the feeling I went through. Um, but oh man, the doctor though I mean, says, you know, what happened? Can you tell us what happened? I said, I literally just took a step. Um, 
but I have an, an underlying issue and I kind of explained, I have something going on and, you know, Rachel's with me and, uh, they, they're like, you need to go see a, another neurologist. You have to figure out what's going on. This is, you know, something serious is, is causing this. And Rachel was very patient with me during that. Um, you know, just about the, the, uh, yeah, the, we've been dating for a year at that point and she never judged me. She was patient with me when I said, you know, I'm, I'll go eventually I'll go. And I never did. Um, and I needed this to happen for me to finally do it. But her friend was a neurologist and, uh, she didn't specialize in, in these type of things, but she reached out to her and said, Hey, can you recommend somebody for Billy? He's got this issue. We need to figure it out. Um, her friend, uh, was able to set up an appointment with a new, new neurologist at Rush Medical Center here in Chicago. And they said like, he's gonna, he's gonna do whatever he can to figure out what's going on. So we set up the appointment, um, about a week later, went to the new neurologist at Rush, told him what's going on. And now in 2021, the medical world had changed a lot from 2021 to 2016, um, there is something called genetic testing that wasn't available when I was doing all my tests. The doctor thought that there is some type of muscular disease and he thinks it might be like a genetic disorder. Um, he's like, there's an 88% chance if we do this test that we can get a diagnosis. He's like, I think I know what it is, but I, I want to still check. It's like, okay, whatever you need to do. So he swabs my nose and swabs my cheek. There's no blood test. There's no machine I'm into. There's nothing. It's just a couple of swabs. A week and a half later, um, I'm driving uh, during my work day, actually. Probably like, probably talked to you, probably booked you on a load minutes, you know, minutes before I get this call. But I get a call from a 312 number, Chicago area. And then I'm like, oh, I think it's the hospital. I get a call and I pull over. Um, and uh it's dr jacobson from the medical center he's like hey are you do you have a moment to talk i said sure he's like all right um we got your we got your results and uh we have a diagnosis i said sure oh well, well you know i was like what's moment. what's going on and he goes all right uh you have what's called limb girdle muscular dystrophy 2l and it's also known as LGMD2L. It's a very rare form of muscular dystrophy um, that you were born with. It's weird. It's like a relief that I, I, I have an answer now, but then I start asking questions. Cooking became my passion. Would you be interested in becoming the ambassador for Illinois for the MDA? And I said, gladly.